0: Thank you for tuning into my podcast. The mission of The Authentic Networker is to inspire a new way of being with each other, inspiring each other, championing, collaborating with each other to inspire a successful journey. Each of us wants more than anything to be loved and to matter in our world. Success is a big part of that. So I seek to interview people that have something unique and extraordinary to say about the journey of success in the people business. Authentic networkers are curious connectors, authentically expanding their network. They listen to, are present, and honor the diverse values and experiences of others. If this philosophy resonates with you, I encourage you to study it and share it with your network. Let's dive into another epic interview and learn some of these stories. Hey everybody, Richard Blissbrook here with another episode of the Authentic Networker, and we're going to do a deep dive today in the history of personal development. We have none other than one of the most famous, most prolific personal development coaches, trainers, and philosophers in the world, Mr. Don Hobbs from Puerto Rico. Say hello, Don. Uh, Hey, Richard. It's so good to be here. (laughs) I appreciate so much your time. I know you are A busy guy. You got a lot going on right now with uh, Success Magazine. We'll get to that. Uh, But I I wanted to introduce you to my my group, my tribe, Don, because you're such an integral part of the history of the personal development movement for people in sales, entrepreneurs, business people, anybody that realizes that in order for them to achieve more, they've got to be more. And so I just appreciate you investing some time, telling some stories. I'm gonna ask you to tell some stories about your history, your journey, where you came from, what have you been doing, what are you doing now? And I think people will get great inspiration from that.
1: Uh, Happy to do it and I'm excited for the opportunity and I always love touching the lives of anybody that we can and I love your show for doing that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Don. So. Let's start here, because I think, you know, one of the fascinating things about your history, which people are going to want to know, wow, how did you pull that off? <laughs> you started your personal development journey at the age of 18 with Jim Rohn Production, or Jim Rohn International. I can't remember the name of his company back then. Yeah. And you, you became his number one producer, And I'm going to stop the question there and then move on to what happened after that, but I want to know who was Don Hobbs? Where were you? What were you doing? What were you thinking that had you end up with Jim Rohn as one of his ambassadors?
1: Well, picture this first of all. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so picture this, it's date night. It's, I think it was a Saturday night. It was either Friday or Saturday. I remember it was date night. And I'm like not wanting to go. And my mom, I didn't live at home. I already actually had, had already bought my first uh, home and I was, uh, she calls me and says, I, I went to this guy's seminar, this Jim Rohn, and he reminds me a lot of you, which I thought, now I look back and I think that's really funny that he, he reminded, uh, you know, he reminded her of me. And, um, so anyway, she bought me this ticket for the seminar. I'm like, seminar, what do I want to go to a seminar for? I can't understand why I'd be going to a seminar and why you paid this money. And by the way, $35. So it was not a lot of money, but of course, $35 in 1976 was different than it is today. And uh, and I went and spent the time. And I remember not wanting to be there, but walking in. I was, you I'll, I'll tell you where I came from, but I walked in uh, to the West and South Coast Plaza. I'm sure you have been there uh, numerous yes. times and chandeliers and I'm, I'm from El Monte, California, Southern California, Los Angeles area. Nothing wrong with El Monte, but it was, it was, you know, it wasn't the other side of the tracks. It was right on the tracks. It was right, right there. And, you know, I hilarious. never experienced anything like this. I I'm, I'm like, wow. And then I'm looking around all these people are dressed up in suits and looking good and, and, you know, executives. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Ron opened his mouth. And, and when Jim started talking, I was just, uh, I mean it didn't take me but 10-15 minutes and I was scribbling through. My mom used to be uh in in a corporation, she had these stenographers notebooks. If you remember even what that is, most of the most of your viewers probably don't have a clue. And I started writing notes, and by the time I was done, I had 19 pages. But I remember it was about 15 to 20 minutes in. And I'm like, wow, I mean this, I want to do that. And and funny, at the first break, I ran right up to him and got gra- got in line and I said, I love this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to do this in the world. Right. And I'm sure he was like, looking at me. I'm in a, you know, I don't know what I was dressed like, but I know I was not in a suit I wasn't dressed up and I'm sure he thought, you know, okay, little boy, go away and, and whatever. Although that was not Jim style that dismissed somebody, but he was encouraging and, and I, I ended up buying everything they had and, you know, Jim Rohn, actually we had adventures and achievement at the time was the, the current name of it that at that point and I bought everything I spent you know a thousand dollars on a weekend with him and I spent money on the tape sets and the tape sets cassette tape sets and uh, went through all that stuff for a long time and probably three months into it I went to his leadership weekend and I walked up to him 50 people and Jim Rohn right and I walked up to him and said I want to work for you how do I do that and so it worked out pretty well and uh, it wasn't you know I didn't have instant success by any stretch of the imagination it was a train wreck. All I sold was my furniture I didn't sell much furniture, but I sold gold and guns and anything that I could dump to try and survive and that was the uh, beginning of my personal development
0: but All right. well, here- we got to go back because you you skipped over something that I think people are going to want to know about. so <laughs> you were eighteen, you already owned a home. you just slipped up and said you owned guns and gold by the time you were 18 in a home and you weren't living at home. So back up a bit, Don, because you <laughs> didn't just trip and fall on your head and move out and own a home at 18. What happened?
1: I, I had a strange uh, childhood or strange early day uh, work uh, deal. You know how um, sliding doors or the, 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 the uh, forks in the road My fork in the road, my first job, I was uh, put into a pro shop for a trap and skeet shooting range. So I don't know, yeah, exactly. Well, I was a professional trap shooter. I was very good at at that at an early age and uh, had had that in my background. And so when I went to get a job, I was either gonna be a busboy, which is they called me and said, yes, you're in. And the other job they called me for that day was at the trap and skeet range. And the manager said, we've known you for years, you're way too good to be, you know, what they called a trap boy. You know, one of the people pushing the button and all that. And he said, uh, I want you to be the pro in the pro shop. And so at 16, I got that job and it paid pretty well. And so I was making big bucks, had new cars. And you know, the, the girls really voted me most likely to succeed.
0: <laughs> Working in a trap club. And I yes. actually know what that is because my dad you know? was a professional trap and pigeon shooter when I was a kid. Uh, so very, very I grew, up, Clay I grew pigeons. up in Clay the trap pigeons. clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Clay yeah. pigeons. He actually shot live pigeons too as a sport. Yep. Crazy. Yep. Yep. So, wow. That's,
1: That's,
0: That's pretty funny. interesting. And so you get started with Jim Rohn and I just, I just loved on the, um, well, you know what, let's dive into it because I think it's such a great distinction. So here you are sitting in a seminar you're inspired. The first break or whenever the thing's over, you run up to the front of the room and, and tell tell Jim Rohn what you tell him, which, you know, now with hindsight and experience, you have to ask yourself how many young kids ran to the front of the room and told Jim Rohn that they want to do what he does in his career, right? So many of them, but that's a powerful distinction that you have, you know, it's what I call a green light vision or, or decision where you have, you have something in your mind you want to do, and boom, you just go do it without doubt, without worry, without thinking about what if, what if he doesn't like me, what if he says no, right? You're just all of a sudden up in front of the room telling him you want to go to work for him. What do you attribute that courage to?
1: I was fired. I, I actually don't know. I can't tell you that where the confidence came from. And I, I certainly was an athlete. So I'd built up some of that, you know, I mean, I think there was some parts in, in school, you know, I mean, obviously I, I didn't go on to college. I knew I wasn't going to, um, you know, it's funny. Cause when I think back, Jim Rohn said something, standard education, you standard results, self-education will get you incredible results or something in that vein, right. It depends on which night he said it. But uh, I remember and I don't even know that that's when I made the decision. I think I'd already decided I wasn't going to school and I wasn't going the traditional path, and I was a good student and all that. But there was something about what I saw and I got connected to the touching these people, like this, this room full of folks and watching his magic, which was absolute. Um, I mean, he was, he was magic in the way he, you know shared. And I, I wanted to do that. What, what baffles me is how I thought I could do it. And, and you know, that's, that's the part where you go, what are you thinking, right? How's that going to happen? Um, and then when I went to work for him, there was some, you know, funny things about that. Like I didn't have a suit. I didn't know how to, you know, that was the days of three-piece suits, Richard. This was not Hawaiian shirt and casual open, uh, you know, cuffs folded back and all that. It wasn't that time frame, right? It was a different era. And I remember, you know, it's funny now that I'm the age I am and thinking about how, much we love the idea of being younger and how much at that time I wanted to be older <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, I used to put a little powder in my ba- in my baby powder in my hair to get a little gray so people would think I was older which must have looked hysterical and it's just funny stuff you know just hysterical to think about the mindset of that kid uh, that was walking up and doing that.
0: Well your parents um, they gifted you with some great early confidence for you to Perform so well that somebody wanted you to run a business at the age of 16 and for you to have the confidence to buy a home and make investments and then pivot into, you know, something you didn't know anything about. So tell us about the early months or years selling for Jim Rohn and how you struggled and then the point, if you can nail it, of breakthrough. What did you struggle with and what created the breakthrough? Because you ended up being his number one salesperson, correct?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, again, which month and which year, right? And by the way, shall we say that uh, three months, four months after I started, Tony Robbins came along. So, you know, you probably know that, but this big gawky kid came walking in and, you know, we started doing all of our meetings together. Eventually he ran LA for the company. I ran Orange County for the company. And then another year year and a half after that he ran off to go do I don't know some small thing that he's been doing for a while and now and then I went off to become Jim's president but the early days were different because I was not good at sales I did not have a clue um, I, I remember a friend of mine joking with me but I think he was relatively serious he was trying to be kind and he said we 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 can see your potential and I said well thank you he said it just kind of means you haven't done anything yet you know it's like you just You know, he was being sweet and at the same time kicking my butt. But I remember saying that I would, I really had to sell, you know, gold chains at the time. It was something that was kind of cool. And we had gold chains and things like that. And I had a gun collection because I, that's what I was in the business of. And, And so for me to start liquidating to survive, because, you know, most businesses are not instantaneous successes. And I was definitely not an instant, you know, overnight success by any stretch. Uh, so I'm 18, 19, still struggling, getting better, starting to, to feel what it's like. You know, you used to have the first experiences and you start having great days, all of a sudden a great day and you go, wow, if I had a great day, what would happen if I strung those together? Um, and then finally, um, I think I was 20 or between my 20th and so I, so I'm a June baby. I think between, uh, turning 20 and 21, somewhere in there, I made hundred thousand dollars. So it wow. really did shift. And, and uh, by the way, a lot of people will say even today, I just want to make six figures. Six figures in 1980, whatever it was, or 79 uh, was
0: a little big, different, right? Big money, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so, but it, you know, it was, and by the way, I'll, I'll give you a lesson. I'll give you a, a great lesson. We can come back, but uh, let me give you this because Jim said something to me. We were doing an awards, uh, uh, monthly awards deal. And I had just had this, this understanding that I hit hundred grand and they were all like, you know, and I remember him saying to me, Donald, that's awesome. I'm proud of you. Now figure out how to do that in less time. Now that you've figured out how to do that, do it in less time. And that was a great uh, time management lesson, which of course we may want to chat about at some point, but, but that was to me, some of the lessons of being around Rome. It was like, he just always kept you thinking bigger and knowing who you were and seeing a bigger potential for
0: yourself. So it's interesting to me, Don, that um, Jim said, instead of trying to figure out how to earn more money, he said, figure out how to earn the same $100,000 in a shorter period of time. That's paradigm shifting, insightful coaching. What do you attribute that distinction to? And how did you go about doing it?
1: Wow okay good question I don't know if I've ever had that asked uh, first of all his his insights were were like that I mean Jim was a, a journalist I mean I loved when finally uh, his kind of official title became America's foremost business philosopher because while he wasn't a great businessman he was a great understander of the world of business and um, I think he I think he understood of course that you know that time is the differentiator between success and failure. I mean, attitude, clearly there's other factors, but he understood that, you know, that in our world, Bill Gates has the same amount of time as you and me and the same amount of time as anybody else that's listening, right? That, that it is a factor of how do we compress time? And he, he kind of continued to influence that compressing time, compressing time, compressing time. You know, how do you do that? Today, we do it with a lot of technology. Then it was more just being efficient at, planning and structure and some of that stuff that we could do but regardless we we do know and and i kind of got it early on that time is the big um you know i mean warren buffett said something about you know the difference between the successful and the super successful the super successful say no to almost everything so there's a lot of things we can learn and you know i think roan kind of understood some of that how he kept focused on things that really mattered which made not only his success happen but also his uh, lifestyle, his, um, uh, you know, his, his enjoyment, his fulfillment, that he had time for the things that he really enjoyed. So right. I, I, yeah. And then you asked me a second part, which is how did I do that?
0: I don't well, know. You went from that hundred grand to becoming the president of Jim Rohn international. How did you do that? Or how did you parlay that success of a hundred thousand dollars to get in a position to run his whole company?
1: well we were running uh we were beginning to run uh, regions if you will and i was the orange county region and uh so we you know began to bake, make some pretty darn good money because we were building programs and and doing that stuff and then you know it kind of and i, I laugh at this and i'm not sure it's totally true and he's not here to verify it, but i always say i was the last man standing he'd gone through a couple presidents and he looked around and went uh you're left <laughs> so <laughs> and, 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 and some of that's true and some of that is uh that you know we were doing some good things together and and we were very successful in our region we were running a pretty good sized sales staff i think had about 250 salespeople, so we were you know we were doing some some good things but there were tony was doing some good things and a few other people were doing some good things uh, you may not know this but we had a core of people in fact i think uh mark hughes uh went on to do Herbalife. I'm not sure he was there, but Larry Thompson was kind of in the neighborhood. And there were a lot of people that were around us. You know, we had a very interesting core of people that pushed each other. And so I think, you know, in the end, I was, I was last man standing. That's probably
0: the safest move. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I didn't actually meet Don until Jim's memorial service. And although I was on a parallel path about the same time, exactly the same time as all of you. I didn't know any of you. And and I didn't even know Jim Rohn in my early years. Right. And you guys really created something that has gone on with the work that you've done, which we're going to get into, the work that Tony's done, the work that Herbalife has done. Larry Thompson continues to do work. You know, sometimes magic happens when the right people get around each other and just sort of create and fail and create and fail and bump into each other and hit roadblocks. And you guys created a lot of magic back then. That's something to really hang on to as precious history because millions of lives have changed since then. So you went from Jim Rohn Productions to uh, Hobbs Herder Advertising. And then you hooked up with another fascinating individual after years of success at, at Hobbs Herder. Uh, you hooked up with Gary Keller and, um, you know, what he was doing, which is, you know, some re- really fascinating training. Tell us about that.
1: Well, you know, my, uh, so Hobbs Herder was in the real estate space and I got a chance to be the first Speaker in a convention. I mean his first convention. They now call them family reunions at the time It was called a convention and I spoke for his first convention, you know, Gary ultimately built that company to be a hundred and Seventy-ish eight hundred 170,000 agents And yeah. when I spoke for him the first time there was 350 So it was you know, it was very early on in his development And we had a very similar philosophy because Hobbs Herter was based on something which was personal marketing, personal branding. And we came along and said, you know, in the real estate space, um, you know, it's not about the gold jacket with Century 21 or the powder blue jacket with ERA. If I don't call and ask for Richard by name, if I don't think of you as my realtor and I call your company, you could be with the number one company and broke. And, and so it doesn't help. And Gary got that. He understood it. He, he goes, that makes sense to me and so we became close friends, and so for years, we were uh, pals, and I spoke for his company uh, uh, many times, and we went fly fishing, and goofed off together, Uh, you know, a good guy, really good guy, and we had a a lot of years, and finally, when he wrote the, was writing the one thing book, and it was his first book, not in real estate, you know, um, and it was his first business book, and he said, it's going to open up a whole new can of worms in a whole new opportunity. He said, you know, move, move here to Austin and and leave everything you've ever done in California and come and join me. So, uh, you know, when the billionaire calls and says, come and let's do something together. I was like, okay, <laughs> if I have to. And so we, uh, we made that work together for a few years. Uh, that was amazing. And, you know, the training that that company does is, is considered amongst the best in the industry. And it was, again, you know, it's interesting. You said that about the Special Times at Jim Rohn, I've actually likened that and said it was in my world, even as I was in it, I recognized it was a unique time and I refer to it as Camelot. You find that it's that Camelot moment. And there was a moment in the Keller world where there that happened and I would never thought it would. And there was a moment at Hobbs Herder when I remember like the elite of the elite moment. Oh, my gosh, we're there again. And, uh, and I feel like I've, we're, I'm doing it for my fourth time. So I feel like, you know, I've been very, very fortunate, but that, that era was a great era for me and hanging around with Gary's a big thinker, big thinker. And, you know, you probably know this, Richard, but if you look at results, we think it's about skills and we think it's about how much time we invest and I'm working hard, you know, and the reality is it's really about the level of our thinking that allows us to have goals and realize that, that the time to work you know, mediocrely, if that's a word, and the time to work hard and the time to work smart is all the same time. And so I really got that from that experience that you could either think big or think small and it was gonna to totally turn out differently.
0: Yeah, so you, you went all over the world teaching the maps program, the one thing with Gary Keller, I read somewhere you've you've talked to over a million realtors. That's uh, that's hard to do. That's that's a lot of impact for a profession that really can use, always can use, you know, that kind of coaching and uh, and inspiration. Um, so now you're doing something else Don so tell us tell us what you're doing now because you're still impacting real estate that's your chosen niche of the people that you see you can have the biggest impact with tell us what you're doing with exp
1: well exp is uh, you know it's it's a real estate company many people aren't familiar with yet it's the fastest growing real estate company in the history of real estate and and you know, again, unless you're in an area where it's already blossomed and grown, it's in all 50 states and all of that. But it's, it's really pushing the industry completely. And Glenn Sanford, the founder of the company, uh, he's an innovator. I mean, he's, we, we look for out of the box thinking, there's the box, where's Glenn? He's, he's way over there. He, he just doesn't get box thinking. And everything for him is pushing limits. And so he built a company virtually a virtual platform. And a lot of people don't get this, but it's a real estate company with no bricks and mortar. I mean, corporate office has no bricks and mortar. And we've, we've done it on a platform. That's a, uh, a gaming platform. Like you would play a game. Only I walk into the corporate office or I walk into accounting. I walk into whatever. And we started building this when I was with Gary's company, my, uh, the, the love of my life. I was, I was so busy trying to get her in my world and we were friends and we laugh now about the hundred and fifty first dates, uh, that I, you know, we had to go through to get, get her to finally wake up and go, Oh, there you are. I love you. Uh, but when we finally got together, she had left Keller Williams and gone to EXP. I was Gary Keller's partner and we ended up living together and here we are in the same household. I'm Gary Keller's partner. And she's with this company that's kind of tearing that one apart. And, and, um, I mean, I don't mean that in a vicious way, I mean, just from a competitive standpoint. And uh, so it was fiery, I mean, it was fiery. And then, um, but Glenn's Glenn's vision is that, you know, when things went down in 2008, nine and 10, Richard, and you saw this in business, you were, you know, you're very much in that timeframe of, I'm sure it impacted you, that business was struggling. And, you know, people went through economic downturns in a major way. And he said, you know, all those real estate companies didn't have to go out of business they had so much overhead, they were stuck with that fixed cost. And with today, you know, everything running off of a cell phone or an iPad or, you know, numerous technologies, my, my phone, my, my watch, you know, it's like all of that. We didn't need that stuff. And so he built a company that didn't require it. So we're having a lot of fun with that. It's the most amazing experience where we've taken a publicly traded company and given people stock ownership. And uh, so we're doing that. And Glenn had the chance to, uh, Take success magazine and and um, you know we, all, all of us, of course, we have known the owners and all of that and and he said, boy, we want, we want to put it in capable hands somebody 's going to steward it and Glenn called me and said, You know, man, if you are interested in this i 'm interested in doing it with you, and you know you 've got the personal development background and of course, full circle for me, when Jim was passing when Jim was passing, uh, all of his library got sold to success, and so here I am. All these years later, coming back to all this uh, Jim Rohn material, which is some of it I filmed, you know, it was one of our projects back in the day. So it's very exciting to see what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I love the full circle of this success. uh, I have a lot of history with success magazine. Um, Just been the most important magazine in, in the history of as a magazine in the history of my development and career and I think it's just an extraordinary thing that you you guys are now going to be the stewards of it because it really needs, it, it, it needs to be honored in that way. And I'm really excited to see what you guys do to, you know, make it extraordinary. It's already a great magazine. and has been for, what, 120 years. But um, what you guys will do with it Will be reinventing the extraordinary, and that's exciting. So, Don, recap your career. I mean, you know, we we could have spent hours <laughs> diving into your career. Are you, your career in personal development and real estate coaching and training and partnering with some of the most successful, creative, impactful people in the world of personal development and real estate is is phenomenal. Boil all that down for us into, well, ask this question. What's the biggest mistake you've made in the last 45 years? Maybe it's a bad habit that you kept like death of a thousand cuts and maybe it was just a really big (laughs) blunder. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your career?
1: Well, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I brought up the 2008 through 10 because I had stepped out of the business world and and was retired for two years i was feeding hummingbirds and and uh, taking naps and really enjoying life and thought i was done and then uh 2008 and i thought okay like well, i've got plenty of, to make this last and just didn't make some of the smart moves and by the time 2010 came it was longer than we said we were already predicting it we'd told all of our realtor clients be aware you know it's going to be long it's going to be hard but you know, I guess it just, I didn't have it. And in the end, I uh, lost a lot, if not all of my major uh, wealth that I had built. And so that was hard. And I would say, you know, I learned a few lessons about uh, the way you protect corporation. Corporations can be set up to protect some of that. And also just, you know, downsize if you're in business and you're watching this, you know, downsize of the first hint of downturn, you know, get ahead of that. Uh, be smart. But I think the biggest thing was, then I began to doubt myself. And that was probably the biggest, really big downturn, Richard, was um, I'd taken some time off. And of course, you just imagine taking a vacation, coming back from a three-week vacation, how hard it is to kind of get back in the grind, as they say. Yeah. Imagine two years and yeah. then going, oh my gosh, I've got to wake up and redo this and really get you know aggressive and go. And it was hard. My habits had fallen off and some of my my uh, business skills. I mean, and a lot changed and, you know, things change fast these days. Right. And a lot changed. So, you know, there were people that weren't in the industry any longer. There were people that I didn't know cause they were new in the industry and there was a lot that had shifted. And well, I'll tell you, I'm, I use the word a lot for people, especially uh, as we get into a different age category that we need to remain relevant. And I felt irrelevant at the time and so I really got myself out.
0: It's such a powerful place, Don, because so many of the people that I work with, um, they have challenges staying consistent, right? And I just talked about that, yeah. I think, last night on the podcast is, you know, what's the downside of taking a month off? And, well, it's restarting at the end of the month because a month can turn into four weeks, can turn into five weeks, into six weeks, seven weeks. It's a slippery slope, right? How do you reboot and you added to that that interesting loss of confidence that starting to doubt yourself and your relevance how did you pull up out of that dive what specifically did you do
1: well a lot of it was um getting around people that i you know knew that were in that place i mean i you know reconnected uh, I can't tell you what year what that was exactly, but reconnected with Tony, reconnected with people that I knew from that era. Just got around people that started the conversation. Really dug into reading again. Uh, reading has been a just a, a huge part of my life. And back in the early days, the Roan days, I took out a speed reading course. I was just pouring through books, right. And so, you know, books were always a great place to get re-inspired. I was talking yesterday, you would appreciate this. I'm sure you remember it. Little teeny book about this big called As a Man Thinketh.
0: Oh, sure. I, I used to hundreds I, of I gave Alex. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. Me too. And I used to carry it in my pocket and just open it. And, what, you know, it's the, that thing that I used to have people tell me the Bible was like that. Open the Bible and the passage you read is the one that you needed for exactly for that day. And that's how I started doing that. And, of course, we had... Um, you know, the internet was going and we started to have YouTube was, I don't know if YouTube was, but videos were beginning to get popular. So I just poured myself into personal development and poured myself back into people. And you and I both know how powerful association is. And that's a huge part of what pulled me out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Super smart. So the flip side of that question without using that particular answer, just look at your whole career yeah. What's the smartest thing you've ever done? Wow. You could have prepped me
1: for that one. I might have had some thoughts about it. <laughs> smartest thing I ever did. Um, uh, could they have it? I, I'm, I'm going to win big points here in just a second. I'm going to win big points on this, OK? I, I, uh, getting involved with Allison and, and creating the life that we've created. I, I'm going to say that. And <laughs> you gave me the shot. I I had to take it, all right? <laughs>
0: Is she, is she back there somewhere? She, she is
1: not, she's up, she's in her office upstairs. Her office is right above me here. Uh, she'll, she'll see this when the time is right
0: <laughs> uh, Well, I think I, I... I believe that that's a valid answer, because I get it. So tell us why. What, uh, what was created in that union that made you so much better than you were? Um,
1: Allison is brilliant. Um, you know, I've, I've worked around brilliance. I've never been brilliant. I've worked around brilliance and I've had the good fortune to, to wrangle brilliance, uh, but she's really super smart. She gets connection to a lot of things. She connects dots most people don't see. And she has kept, kept me relevant. She has forced me to continue to stay up with, you know, the things that, that I know I should be doing and yet she's the one that's really helped me do that. Uh, technology. I mean, you saw her run down before we were having little technical challenges and guess who was here? Bam, my producer, right? My director. And she's she's a a great businesswoman. She's got a real estate organization now, uh, 750 people. She's dynamic. Uh, She's beautiful. I mean, just so many things that are her assets that have really, uh, she's given to me. And so, uh, you know, again, I say that out of all kindness and I know she'll appreciate that, Uh, but it's really true. And, and I think that she also gets how to put people together, you know, and, and, and that's, I've had good people around me who did that for me. I'm a great culturizer. I'm a great, you know, keeper of culture, but I'm not a great creator necessarily of that. And uh, she is a a good one for making that happen.
0: Well, I'll tell you my observations, Don, what you have been brilliant at your whole career is seeking out consciously or unconsciously and creating enough value for very powerful, very successful people that they wanted you in their inner circle. They wanted you to be their right hand. They wanted you to be a trusted advisor and partner. And what an extraordinary gift that is ending up with the the most pivotal one, being Allison. So that's that's super smart. All right, last question. (laughs) Last question is, I want you to imagine that you're talking now to somebody listening to this podcast. Most of the people that listen to my podcast, I believe, are stuck or struggling. And I think that's just the general demographic of up and coming entrepreneurs is they spend most of their time stuck or struggling. And congratulations, if you're one of those stuck or struggling entrepreneurs that you're listening to this podcast, because that means you're not out, right? You're not you're not dead and gone, you're still in it. And you're doing what Don talked about earlier. How do you pull up out of a dive? Well, just dive in, to input, right? Dive into somebody that can inspire you. But I think most of the people listening to this podcast could use a breakthrough, they could use a thump on their bowl, they could use something that, you know, cause we look at our careers, it's always boom, the lights come on, we just see something in a different way based on something somebody said and all of a sudden we're off and running. So imagine you're talking to just one, just one person, somewhere in the world, they could be anywhere, right? Anywhere in 200 countries, 192 time zones or however many there are, and they're struggling or they're stuck, but they really want it and they're willing to work and they're listening to this. And you got three things to tell them and only three. Wow. wow. What's the first one that comes to mind?
1: The first one is what, I mean, you know, the cliche is what you think about comes about, but it's having to do with attitude. And I truly believe, uh, and I'm not sure where I got this from, but I believe that attitude is the the filter through which everything comes. And good and, and bad, the best and the worst are always present, are always present. and our filter is am I looking at what works, what can work, what possible, am I looking at what can't work, what isn't happening, what's not possible, right? And so that is a big piece of success. You've got to get your mind in the right place. And for that reason, you know, the the exposure, the reading, the being around the right people, all that is a huge part of influencing how we think. So I believe that's number one.
0: Two. So now, if if one is all right, you're listening to this podcast. You're awesome. You're on the right track. Keep listening. Listen to it again. Listen to more. Read some books. Get around some people that inspire you with that can-do attitude. That's one. Let's assume success, I'm doing that. Read
1: success, read success Magazine. That'd be a good start. I'll, I'll put in a little <laughs> plug. Read Success Magazine.
0: Right, so, to Success Magazine. What's two? Uh,
1: two is... Understand the value of your time. Understand that God put us here and gave us all equal amounts of that particular resource. And that in time, everything happens. Through time, everything happens. And your choices and decisions that you're making are are daily and actually not even daily. They're, they're hour by hour and truthfully minute by minute. And in our uh, social um, media-ridden world, you can lose 15, 20 minutes in a, in a heartbeat, by the way, watching other people's highlight reel, thinking less of yourself and letting your attitude go backwards, right? I mean, it's like there's so many things that we've got to do, but I will tell you, it all happens in time. And I think that to understand, we need to say no more often to be more um, discerning with what we do and don't do. And really put our time and attention into the things that really matter to to yourself and to your family. The things, if you've committed to your family, man, that's, then what are you going to do to make that commitment come true?
0: Yeah, it's like if people just spent 15 minutes a day that they might spend on social media comparing themselves to other people and getting depressed in the process. If they just spent that 15 minutes in a massive action step right? Make a phone call, send a text, right? Read 15 minutes of a book. I mean, there's a big swing right there from depression to inspiration in 15 minutes. All right. The last thing. So, um, we're going to stay in personal development. We're going to pay very close attention to how we spend our time. And if, This is the last thing you ever get to tell me, Don Hobbs. I am a struggling entrepreneur. I have big dreams. I have a big desire. I'm willing to work. I'm leaning in. You've told me stay in personal development, manage my time. The last thing you ever get to tell me that makes or breaks me as an entrepreneur is what?
1: You're way bigger and, and better and more important than you ever imagined. That your beliefs may not be there yet, but you have to know that God put you here for a reason that's far bigger than you can even imagine, and that you have to you have to honor that piece. You have to look at who you really are, not who you think you are, not the one you defend, not the way that your family told you, not the one that you that's come out through various you know activities and and the failures. The belief system has to come back to. God put me here and, and made us in his likeness and gave us everything and intended for us to have greatness and opulence and abundance and all of that. And anything short of that is a, is a crime. There's a piece, Richard, and I'm sure you have seen it many times, but I've ended many of my talks with uh, Marianne Williamson's Our Deepest Fear. Yeah, and I think, sure. you know, when you... Right, and, and it has to do with you know, our deepest fear is not, we are inadequate. It's, our, it's that we're powerful beyond measure. It's playing small, it doesn't serve us, right? And, and the thing about it is, it, in my world for all these years of personal development, what I also come to realize is, we owe it to everybody around us to be the best we can be because we are, uh, Rome used to say, we're either operating as, a, as a, uh, a warning or an example, an example or a warning, right? And you're either gonna be, but either way you're being watched. People are going, oh, see, it's okay if we screw around and do whatever. Oh, Or, wow, look at that. It's impressive. It's aspirational to watch that man operate. And you've been an inspiration to people like that, and I, I guarantee it. That's why this podcast and all the things that you've done have been so successful. But I'm telling you, when when they start to realize, when anybody realizes who they really are and starts stripping away the the, the layers of stuff that people have, and the, and the beliefs that we've begun to and all those things just get stripped back and you get to the core. Oh my God, you're amazing. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, that is, a, a, especially a poignant distinction for people of faith to, you know, it, to not adopt that attitude that you're talking about Don would be to believe that our creator is capricious in their nature to give us the ambition to dream and have a desire but not give us the capability to achieve it would be mockery. And An that goes against everything that that people believe. So really- believe in yourself. Don Hobbs, I believe in you. I believe in Success Magazine. I am so excited uh, for your stewardship of Success Magazine. And I'm so honored that you spent almost an hour with my audience telling your story of how you've gone from those magic creative moments of bringing teams of magnificent people together to go impact. I mean, your impact around the world, Don, in your career is, I, I it's in the hundreds of millions of people, it has to be. Um, because, you know, you have a, you have people that you've coached that are now coaching and they're ambassadors, they're speakers, they're authors. And that's that beautiful ripple effect. Right. Ripple. So, yep. you know, my friend Mike Green is, you know, he's a product of your work and and he's out there, you know, sharing it with other people. And so you're really, the gi- on giving Don Hobbs. Uh, you thank know, Richard, you thank much. you. I'm,
1: I'm, hum- I'm humbled by what you just said. I'm really honored that you give me an hour of your time with these fine folks. And I hope that uh, you continue to touch the lives of so many as you have. I, I'll make a deal with you. Let's keep doing
0: this. I love it. Hey, everybody, go subscribe to Success Magazine. That magazine has been changing lives for 120 years. And I think it's about ready to get reinvented into the most important periodical that any of us could be studying. Thank you, Don Hobbs. Thank you, Authentic Networkers. We'll see you next time. This is Richard Blissbrook telling you again, the work is worth it. Thank you for tuning into the Authentic Networker podcast. There are over 100 episodes to study, including another 100 blog articles at richardbrook.com.